0: back to Quality Matters. I'm Darcy. I'm Kyle. I feel like it's been a while since we've been at the table together.
1: It has. We did three shows from OTC, and I, I think we actually missed a week in there.
0: Yeah, or maybe we were just late. I don't know.
1: Yeah, so it's it was... been at, at least a month since we've been on mic like this.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you might notice that we are back in our garage again, (laughs) because we just run out of time during the week, and Kyle's got a mic set up trying to catch the crickets, which is also going to pick up cars driving by and things like that. Maybe I can edit those out. Oh, okay. So, I wasn't supposed to mention that. No. (laughs) Well, I did. (laughs) So, um, tonight... Well, tonight, because we're recording it at night. So, on this episode, <laughs> we would like, I want to talk about culture. Kyle, I think I've mentioned before, usually comes into these episodes blind. He doesn't know what we're going to talk about. So, um, I want to talk about culture. It's something that I feel like makes or breaks a company. It's a huge impact for a company. And I think Kyle did a blog mm-hmm. on culture. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, I was reading the Start With Why book. I still am. I told you guys, (laughs) nonfiction's not my thing. So I'll pick it up and read a few pages and put it back down and come back to it later. But um, I came across this little story. Simon Sinek in this book does a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He has a lot of examples, but that's not the word I'm looking for. Case studies? Case studies, there we go. (laughs) That's the word I'm looking for. So he had a little case study about Continental Airlines. Do you remember hearing about this when you read or listened to it on Audible? Okay, so you'll probably appreciate this. I hope our listeners appreciate this. So Continental Airlines had somebody take over as chief executive. His name was Gordon Bethune. I think that's how you say his name. In February of 94. When he took over, they were not in a good spot. Correct. People didn't like their jobs. Um, in this case, the top-down leadership wasn't working very well. Now, the top-down leadership is not something I really fully understood, I think, until I came into this business with you again. Even though I've worked in jobs where right. it was very clear yes. that the leadership was not wonderful. True. So Good um, way to put it. Prior to Bethune taking over in '94. Continental had filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in 83 and 91 and went through 10 CEOs in a decade.
1: That's absolute insanity.
0: This is a huge company. Uh Uh-huh. And we don't know this is going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Okay. So, when he took over, Bethune took over in 94, also the company had lost $600 million dollars. Woo. And was, I don't know, how, how does a company keep running if they've lost $600 million? Uh, Bailouts? I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a lot of money. Um, and they were ranked last in all performance categories that airlines are ranked on. Yeah,
1: I remember reading that. Like, it's hard to get any worse of a starting point.
0: Yeah. So, not a good place to be. All the people hated their jobs. And he's, I don't know why why he wanted this job. <laughs> <laughs> but, like I say, he took over in 94. The very next year, Continental made $250 million and was ranked as one of the best companies to work for. In a year? The very next year. Wow. Yeah.
1: I remember reading the story in the book, but I don't remember it being a 12-month turnaround.
0: Yeah, so it talks about some things that he did and uh, changed. So I thought these were pretty cool. I took notes on some of them. The main thing he did was develop a culture of trust. He wanted all the employees. As I, I don't know how many employees Continental has or had. Um, I imagine it's thousands, would you think?
1: Tens of thousands, probably. I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a big it's company. It's a large organization.
0: Yeah, so he wanted everyone... To trust everyone. So before he took over, the executive floor was off limits. Mm -hmm. Not only was it off limits, it was locked. You had to have a key card. Only senior vice president or higher were allowed. And to enforce that, because the key cards and the locks weren't enough, they had security cameras and armed guards. That's
1: no good if you have to have an armed guard to protect your management team from the rest of the company
0: yeah and i mean what are you hiding what are you trying to keep away from the other employees that i mean i wouldn't want to work there that's something i would definitely be dogging if i was you know doing whatever else in the company yep. yep you know it's bad enough that the doors are locked but we've got armed guards there yeah that is not a trusting culture.
1: No, and imagine justifying spending that money as you're losing millions of dollars and filing for bankruptcy.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This is
1: a necessary expense. We're losing
0: $600 million, but we're going to pay for armed guards. Right. (laughs) Um, So, of course, when Bethune came, there was no more security, open door policy. Everybody was allowed on whatever floor. And not only that, Bethune himself was seen doing jobs throughout the different positions in the airport. He was known to go sling bags with the bag slingers. (laughs) I'm sure there's a more professional turn for them. Um, Bethune also asked one executive to leave because the executive held up a plane because he was running late. So he held the plane that all the passengers were on. And Bethune said, I don't have time for this. You're not better than our customers. Yep. Um, And then he went ahead and asked 39 more executives to leave for similar reasons. So there were 60 top executives, and he asked 40 to leave. Wow. Yep. He said you were either part of the team or you were for yourself. And if you were for yourself, he didn't have room for you.
1: I like putting it that way. It's not that either you're for us or against us. It's either you're for the team or you're for yourself. Right. I like that.
0: So... Um, Another big issue was keeping the plane clean, and I assumed that would be the flight attendants' jobs to keep the plane clean. I would, too. Um, And they weren't too excited. You know, I'm sure just the whole previous culture and lots of complaining happens in that kind of previous culture. Um, So he put it to the employees this way. He said, look, this is your office. Don't keep it clean for the customers. Keep it clean for yourself.
1: That's a good point.
0: Do you want to come to your office every day and have it be trashed? Very good point. Or would you keep your own office clean? Yeah. So, um, you know, they were on it for many hours a day, the flight attendants. Mm-hmm. So they he encouraged them to keep it clean for themselves. Yeah. Which, in turn, obviously keeps it clean for the passengers. Yep. Um, before he took over, they had the lowest on-time rating for compared to 10 of the largest airlines. Woo! Yeah.
1: Well, I imagine that is a key metric for an airline because what would make you mad more than your plane being late?
0: Well, yeah, especially if you have a connecting flight. Oh, yeah. Or something like that. Oh. Yeah, that could cause all sorts trickle-down problems. I'm sure a lot of people are depending on their planes being on time. Yeah. So, he decided that to help with that... That every month at Continental was in the top 5% for being on time, every employee, every employee mm-hmm. gets $65 extra a month. Yeah. Not just the flight attendants for the planes that did the best. Yep. Not just the pilots, not just anybody. Every employee in Continental got an extra $65 a month. It doesn't sound like very much. But that cost Continental $2.5 million every month they were on time to pay every employee $65 a month. Yeah. However, not being on time <laughs> cost them $5 million.
1: Ah, so that's where the 65 came from. But, you know, I, where I used to used to work, we had a, a safety bonus that, that used to get sent out. And there were a number of things that went into the safety bonus, but it's never much. I mean, we're talking about like at most, you know, a hundred bucks on a paycheck. But you know, for a period of time where it was getting paid out consistently, man, guys would fight for that hundred dollars because for some folks, a hundred dollars is a heck of a lot. That means you yeah, can take absolutely. your wife out for the weekend. That means all sorts of other cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of other folks, it's a trophy. You know, it, it's that it's that prize right.
0: mm-hmm. and.
1: People will fight and die for pride.
0: Yeah. And think about like, if you really need that $65 extra a month, you're really going to encourage your coworkers to help or you're just going to get it done yourself. You're going to make sure it's done. Yeah. That's all there is to it. So he said no more days of only the executives enjoying payouts and bonuses. Either everyone got the $65 or... Or nobody got the $65. I like it. And that's just how it was. Now, you said um, the safety bonus would be put on their paycheck, the extra $100. Well, that's something that Simon Sinek Mm -hmm. noted in the book, that Bethune didn't put it on their regular paycheck. He sent a set. Of course, this is before the days of... um,
1: Probably direct deposit. Direct deposit is what I'm looking
0: for. Um, So he sent it on a separate check. I love it. It was not with your salary check. He wanted them to be clear. Mm -hmm. This was because of a job well done, and it came with a note saying, thank you for helping make Continental one of the best.
1: That's awesome. You know, when I worked for Best Buy years back, um, the old CEO, now he got let go of for different reasons, but as CEO, um, I feel like he did a good job with with Best Buy. One of the things that he did is he would annually give away his uh, company stock shares and all the perks that he got, he would give them away to higher performing uh, stores and higher performing uh, teams. Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing. We got a completely separate check that they called Blue Crew Box. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, entire stores rallied around earning that Blue Crew Buck check for their employees. And it might be a thousand dollars, and a thousand dollars for a person making eight ten bucks an hour.
0: Well, That's and I big. imagine it probably came around Christmas time. Which is always, yeah. you know, yeah. people always need money then. Yeah. So it so, was, um, it,
1: it, this stuff really matters. And when it's sent as a separate check, like that has a huge impact.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It really makes a noted difference. So um, Simon Sinek said he gave the employees the power to recognize what they could control within the company. Everyone had to work together for that on time rate, building a team and building trust.
1: And they rallied behind a central goal that's easy to understand, its impact is easy to understand, and like you said, everyone can know their part in achieving that goal. Whether you're a baggage handler, whether you're working security, you know your role in achieving that single goal.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um- so, with this, there was a little snippet about South. Well, I say snippet. I think he talks about Southwest several times. But in this particular case, he talks about Southwest. So, I just want to read you straight from the book some some things that he said about Southwest Airlines. Um, in 1971, Southwest was running low on cash and needed to sell one of their aircraft to stay in business. This left them with three planes to fly. Oh, Wow. <laughs> A schedule, three planes to fly a schedule that required four. Interesting. Um, They had two choices. They could scale back their operations, or they could figure out how to turn their planes around in 10 minutes.
1: What was the, uh, do you have the normal turnaround time there?
0: I don't. Okay. But, um, and so it says, and thus was born the 10-minute turnaround. Okay. Okay. Later on, so this might answer your question, uh, a few sentences later, he says, Southwest now takes about 25 minutes to turn their planes around. Hmm. However, if they were trying to keep the same schedule they have now, but add even five minutes to the turnaround time, they would need an additional 18 planes in their fleet at a cost of nearly a billion dollars.
1: Wow. Five minutes... Could cost a billion dollars, yep. but I mean, you know, it, it multiplied out. But, it, you know, this is something I used to talk about uh, a lot, as well as a safety manager, and I just love to harp on when I do any type of uh, safety trainings or whatnot. Is it's those little things? It is the little things that add up that make the most amazing and massive differences. You know, I've done over sixty accident investigations, and someone asked me once, you know, well, what's the normal reason someone gets hurt you know what, what's what's your day start out like or something along those lines and there's nothing ordinary or a- extraordinary about by these accidents is it's a standard every day run of the mill doing the same thing you've always done but it's these little teeny tiny bad behaviors that add up mm-hmm. to a bad consequence
0: yeah And I would think in safety, it's so many things being ignored along the way or allowed to happen along the way, and probably the same thing with airlines. I agree. You talk about turnaround time; it's so many little things that have added up, and you know, five minutes isn't a lot of time, but to an airline, it is. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I used to say that it was eighty percent awareness and twenty percent rules and processes and regulations. Eighty percent. You got to know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, you have to be aware.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like with Continental, George Bethune was fully aware and knew what he was getting into and how he was going to change it. I don't know if he's still the CEO. I didn't look that up. Um, it would be interesting to see, but he clearly knew what he was getting into and he knew how to change that culture. And those are the people that we should all want to work for.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Totally agree. When I first got thrown into doing uh, safety management. Um you know, I didn't know anything about stuff. I was a computer guy, I was an IT geek, right? You know, I was a guy at the front desk that locked everyone's uh passwords and kept you from going to dirty websites, right? <laughs> I mean that, that was that was that was my job. Um so now I'm out there as the safety manager. And gosh, that's what I had to do, is I had to get out there and just just work with these guys. And I didn't want to come in and be you know, this kind of arrogant and pompous guy I would say, let me do your job for a week. You know, I told him, I said, let me be your helper for a week. Mm-hmm. I just want to be a helper. I said, if, if the company were to hire someone to be your, your hired hand for a week, give me those tasks. Give me those jobs. And so I went around. And, you know, I did welder, helper, and grinder. I worked in the inspection department. I loaded parts. You know, did all this type of stuff. But in doing those types of jobs, oh, man, that's where you learn so much.
0: And that's what employees appreciate. They won't don't want somebody coming in and telling them how to do their job. And I go back to the episode we did where we talked about Orkin. That one obviously really made an impression on me because I think I've mentioned them a couple <laughs> of times. But I mean, they that's what they did. They hired guys to be on the safety team yeah. or whatever yeah. it was, um, or the ISO team, yeah, and um, that had been in the field for twenty years or so exactly. each. And they came in. They said, "Look, we know your job. We know this. Mm-hmm. We're going to help you get the two together." Mm-hmm. And they didn't hire outside guys to come. That, you know, I think as a teacher, that's one of the most frustrating things. We have people. I can't, I can't say we anymore. I'm not a teacher, but there are people writing the curriculum, or it used to be, that didn't weren't in the classroom every day. Right. And even if you used to be in the classroom, things change. So you really got to stay up on those things. So before we close out, I want to read this paragraph from Simon Sinek that talks about culture. I really liked it. He says, Now consider what a company is. A company is a culture, a group of people brought together around a common set of values and beliefs. It's not products or services that bind a company together. It's not size and might that make a company strong. It's the culture, the strong sense of beliefs and values that everyone from the CEO to the receptionist all share. So the logic follows. The goal is not to hire people who simply have a skill set you need. The goal is to hire people who believe what you believe.
1: That's absolutely true. And you find that, all over the place in you know a variety of ways and yeah, how many times have you been put on uh phone with tech support or with customer service and you know as soon as they pick up the phone you just hear the disgust and the annoyance in their voice and everyone there is the same way whereas in the more exceptional few times you call and everyone is so helpful in the same way mm-hmm. it's the same culture but you know we I guess we're we're not as happy of a people as I, I guess we wish we would be, and so it's easier to replicate those negative behaviors.
0: Absolutely, and I totally agree with you. When I mean, there's been several times, and Kyle can attest to this, that I go into a place, and everybody's so happy and da da da, and I'll come home and I'll say, "Oh, I should try working there. That's really awesome." And then I think, "Oh no, I'm not that kind of person. <laughs> I wouldn't be happy." <laughs> but clearly. If the culture is mm-hmm. happy and positive enough that it impacts somebody and saying, "Hey, maybe I should apply for a job there," then yeah, you know that that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, well, I'll uh, I'll post the the article because I wrote a, a blog post about this a while back. I was doing an audit and there's a guy you know working under a suspended load of you know more than six thousand pounds, and so I'm talking to him like. But dude you need to get out from under that we need to do this different way we could have flipped the load we could have lowered it to the ground there's we couldn't could have put on jack stands there's four or five different solutions but each solution would have taken about three to five minutes to do and he had to repeat this process 20 or 30 times and he just saw it as i have to get the work done i need to get it done in as little time as possible and that's really the, uh, the the cultural values there is, you know, get it done fast, get it done on time. And I, I think they actually have that documented somewhere that we want to get it done on time. We want to get it done under cost. And that supersedes any other value.
0: Which is unfortunate. I mean, you look at the airline example and they clearly time was a, an important factor, but I don't think they were risking anyone's safety for that time. So yeah. that's something you have to consider. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's the problem is, you know, we live in a culture in the world now mm-hmm. where everything's get it now. I want it now. I got to have it now. And, you know, d- breaking news and push alerts. And I had it first <laughs> on this story and it's so frustrating. It is. Um, but, and it rolls over to the companies. I agree. We've got to be the first one to get this out. We've got to yep. do it faster. We've got to do it better. And it just ends up in some not good results
1: absolutely couldn't agree more That's this is a, this is a, a great one thank you
0: you're welcome hope you guys enjoyed it